The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 28. Today, the Bible Study Podcast talks about Moses. Many or most of you have no doubt heard the story of Moses, but we're going to revisit it today. So open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 1. Sometime last year, we talked about Joseph, and the story of Joseph ends in Egypt with the children of Israel, and that is literally the children of Jacob, whose name is now Israel. The twelve sons and their families are in Egypt. And Exodus 1 takes up that story in the same place, but many years later. These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi and Judah, Issachar and Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher, the descendants of Jacob, numbered seventy in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and his brothers and all that generation died, but the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly, and became exceedingly numerous, so that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, who did not know about Joseph, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become too numerous for us. Come, we must deal with them shrewdly, or they will become more numerous, and if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Pithom and Ramses as storehouses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter and with hard labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names are Shifra and Puah, When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, let her live. Then midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. And then skipping ahead to the next chapter, chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put him among the reeds on the banks of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered, and the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse her for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. I want to stop here and look at what we've got so far. So, God brought Israel, Jacob, and his twelve sons 
into Egypt. And we saw in the story of Joseph that God brought them into Egypt to protect them, to preserve them in this time of famine. He, in fact, sent Joseph ahead with his vision that there was going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. So God did all of that to protect them. And then they stayed in Egypt. And Egypt becomes the the nursery, if you will, the incubator that turns a family into a people. Not a nation yet, because they're still part of Egypt, they're still slaves then in Egypt, because they start to become so numerous. But God is using Egypt both to preserve and to grow this family into a people. So that's sort of chapter one. And chapter one deals with the Egyptians trying to keep the Israelites down, both in slavery and then eventually they're still becoming numerous, and so they're, they're trying to limit them by killing the males. Chapter 2, then, deals with Moses in particular, and how he was saved by both his mother hiding him and then putting him in this basket, and Pharaoh's daughter. And it's interesting to see that Moses becomes one of the central figures, obviously, in the Jewish religion, and obviously, then, therefore, in Christianity, a lot of things look back to Moses. And Moses is held out as being the one who brings the law, and the law is one of the reasons why we're going to focus on Moses, as I'm going someplace with this over the next few weeks, but you'll have to hang on and, and trust me. But we know that Moses is a main character in the Bible, that God is powerfully going to work through Moses. All of Moses' early life is summarized in these few verses in chapter 2. By the time chapter 3 starts, with Moses going to see the burning bush and Moses going to be sent to talk to Pharaoh, Moses is almost or already 80 years old. So the only part of his life that we get before he turns 80 years old is that he is brought out of the water by Pharaoh's daughter, raised by her as a prince of Egypt, apparently. At least that's the, what the movie says. But he is, he is taken care of, that he is saved, and that he is a murderer. Now, if you saw that in verse 11 here, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and watched them at their hard labor. So he knows that he's a Hebrew, even though he's been grown up and does not himself have to do this hard labor. Saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked, glanced this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. Premeditated murder, no less. This isn't murder because they get into a fight and he accidentally kills him. Moses is a murderer. And then Moses flees Egypt, and it looks like that must be the end of Moses. At least the end of anything important in Moses' life. For some reason, God's provision allows Moses to grow up in the household of the Pharaoh's daughter, or the Pharaoh. And yet God doesn't seem to take advantage of that at all. You'd think that he's raised in the household of Pharaoh so that he could offer influence and make things easier or or something like that that certainly seems like that would be my plan if i were god but as usual god is working in different ways and then when it looks like everything has been screwed up i mean moses has really screwed up this is a verse that i use when i'm doing ministry in juvenile hall when i'm doing ministry in correctional institutions because one of the questions i get more often is well can god even forgive a murderer 
And sometimes I'm being asked that by someone who has committed murder. I mean, this is not an abstract question in that sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. But there are numerous places in the Bible where the people who we look to, Moses, King David, the Apostle Paul, have committed murder. And in Moses' case, not only is God able to forgive that, but God has a plan to use Moses and to use him in a very, very powerful way that will make him stand out from many of the rest of the people in the Old Testament. But this story has a very inauspicious start. So what what can we learn from this? Exodus doesn't end at chapter 2. God is not done with him, even because he screws up in such a major way. And two is, God is not done with him, even though he's 80 years old. His best years are behind him. His opportunities seem to be lost. His influence is gone. And yet, chapter 3 is the start of Moses' ministry. And chapter 3 is where we'll start next week. If you have any feedback on this show, please send it to me at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. For those of you who listen to my other show, The Amateur Traveler, you may have noticed that I got nominated for a podcast award at podcastawards.com. So if you want to support me by going over and voting there, that'd be great. But whether you do or not, as always, I'd like to say thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest, served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow and Limelight. The love of God is immeasurable. It's unchanging. It's indescribable. Because God loves you so much, you can sleep through the night in peace. With Abide Bible Sleep Meditation, you can fall asleep fast with relaxing sleep stories based on Scripture. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Bible Sleep Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.